Moncrief on News Talk. Now, last week, some of you may have seen it online, a photo emerged of a naked wolf man in the Hartz Mountains of central Germany. The mysterious figure has lived there for apparently half a decade. There are some people in the world, it's relatable, who find themselves overwhelmed by the pressures of modern living, but they feel it so much so that they leave society and find peace in the wilderness as hermits. Will Millard is an explorer, writer and broadcaster who has spent his life's work interacting and learning from these people. He is the author of The Way of the Hermit and he joins me now. Good afternoon, Will. Hi, yes, Stephanie. How are you doing? I'm not too bad at all. Talk to me about the what you have learned from these people. Why are they there? Do you know what? There's there's not really any one reason why someone decides to turn their back on mainstream society. It's not something that can easily put into one box. Um, sometimes there's a trauma suffered in life uh, that causes people to kind of regress from mainstream society. Sometimes it's a deep, deep love of nature. Um, other times it can be protest or sometimes people become hermits for religious reasons too. But throughout history, um, there are examples of people that have taken themselves away uh, for one reason or another. And, and sometimes, these, like when you talk about, you know, living or like reading the book, living with hermits, learning about them, are do they sometimes find a community or do they tend to stay by themselves? And do they necessarily have to become hunter gatherers? Like what's the lifestyle like? Yeah, again, I mean, again, it completely varies. So with our book uh, the way of the hermit i wrote it with the hermit of Traig, ken smith who lives in a lock called the lonely lock um it's gaelic for uh, the lock of death and and ken lives in a log cabin on his own he's been there for over 40 years um and he does or he did at least subsist a fair bit just off the land like he grew all his own vegetables um he used to catch trout from the lock um occasionally he'd get venison uh, from deer that he could harvest around the area but you know he also kind of took occasional seasonal work working um on the estate where his cabin was and with that he was able to get a little bit of an income you know just enough that every few weeks he could come out of there and, and go to the shops and get a pint and get any essentials that he needed um, but more or less, apart from that, he lived completely alone. Um, some people do opt to live completely separate from society, but the only people that I've lived with who are like that have been in jungle environments, you know, whether it's been in West Africa or in New Guinea, where I've made my BBC series. And those people are another breed entirely. And what's the difference between those people? Did they choose to opt out or have they kind of been born into that reclusion yeah i mean exactly that really um so i mean the most kind of reclusive people that i've stayed with um were the Korowai, who are in our series my year with the tribe on on the bbc it's still on the bbc iplayer actually but they um they were always seen as um this society of others they live in a really marginal environment so it's almost like the environment forced them apart because it was so hard it is so hard to live down there in the swamps of New Guinea that you can't live as a collective because there's just not enough food in the area to feed a village. So you do find these people, um, but generally they'll kind of be in family units, um, you know, one or, uh, of a couple of people. I stayed with a couple of elderly brothers who lived on their own. Um, very, very rarely do you find somebody who's just completely on their own right out in the middle of the jungle. 
but yeah i mean they are total hunter-gatherer survivalists they can be quite nomadic as well sort of shifting throughout the forest depending on the seasons really and it's how a do really you hard way of life talk to us about what it was like to be with these people surely they've never seen like video cameras or a bbc crew or they don't speak english presumably how did you negotiate all of that with them yeah, I mean, so I speak, uh, I speak Indonesian. I mean, they'd had, uh, they'd certainly had contact with the outside world um, in that in that area of New Guinea. I wouldn't feel too comfortable going to a place that had never seen, you know, outsiders Fair. before. You yeah. know, do you know what I mean? It feels yeah. a bit ethically wrong. Um, so they were they were fully sort of aware of the Western world, and and you know, <laughs> they'd started the villages that were kind of on the banks. Uh, they had mobile phones some of them had cameras you know they occasionally had a little bit of electric okay um but the but the brothers that i was staying with that were just on their own they'd chosen to not be part of that um collective uh group and were continuing to live in a traditional way and do you know what they embraced us really really well i mean i stayed with them on my own for quite a long period of time and i felt like they felt that because they were the last of of their um you know, they were, they were the last stand really for the traditional kind of Korowai way of life. I think they really wanted to open out and make this lasting record um, mm-hmm. because pretty much their way of life would die with them. Um, and then yeah. closer to home, this uh, this wolf man in Germany and the hermit of Trag that you have lived with, these yeah. are people who have had email addresses at some point. They have lived our, you know, urban life and chosen to opt out of it. Is that yes. the case? And yeah, so I mean, I don't do know. They... I can't speculate about the wolf, the wolf man, because I mean, nobody really knows what the crack is with that story at all. Right, I mean, okay. this guy's been kind of intermittently spotted over the last five years. It could be a hoax. Who knows? You know, I mean, it's a really, really fascinating story. But certainly with Ken, um, Ken was born in, in Derbyshire, had a very sort of straightforward post-war working class upbringing, and then he was really badly assaulted on a night out in the seventies. Uh, by a gang and after that he decided he was going to take to the wilds um so that was a sort of sliding doors moment in his life so he definitely made that conscious decision to step away and for him you know he's just like you know his legend's growing now and 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 people write to him all the time like his post gets held in this remote post office and then a runner runs it into him every three weeks and he gets to read it and he gets all these letters and they're all variations of the same thing which is you know, I wish that I could kind of take the steps to live the, the way that you do, but I just feel like I can't. But when you go and stay with Ken, his life's actually really quite comfortable and really pleasant. And he's a lovely guy and he's completely surrounded by nature. And he's honestly, hand on heart, one of the happiest humans I've ever met. Do you think that there's an argument that you, as someone who, you know, lives in what we understand to be a typical society, there's an argument for what he's doing and an argument that actually the more we have the less happy we are yeah definitely i mean i think that a lot of people and i and i certainly have been there in the past myself you know you're working in a job that you don't like and you you kind of end up trying to find your happiness by buying stuff that you probably don't need that isn't that essential or or paying for an expensive holiday just so you can get a couple of weeks break away from the monotony, monotony and stress of your of your daily life, whereas Ken recognised that, worked out just how cheaply he could survive and live, um, and decided to live in the place where most of us typically would would go on holiday. Um, so he made that conscious decision. 
But, you know, I think, you know, Ken will say himself, he's like, beware because people that live on their own, they get typecast as loners, lone wolves, and it's somehow a weird thing to do to kind of indulge that introversion, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, and his message very much is, is don't feel bad about taking those steps to make it happen for yourself, even on a short-term basis. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. And is there a shortage, I imagine, of of places where you can happily live and exist off the grid, uninterfered by anyone? Like whose land are they on? Yeah, Do they need I mean, permission? Can they just build a, really, a log cabin? It's a really good question. Hey, um, I mean, certainly in Scotland, where Ken is, he needed to seek permission from the landowner. So much of that Scottish wilderness is actually part of you know great grand old scottish estates so he did need permission um and he was granted permission i mean in scotland it's kind of different to where i live here in wales you know people um do tend to have a lot more personal freedoms you are allowed to go and stay in bothies for example you know for free overnight these remote um dwellings of kind of workers in times past where now hikers can go and stay for a few nights and there's no charge as long as you look after you know the place and you're you know you leave nothing but footprints but yeah more or less unfortunately in kind of you know western europe um it is quite difficult to find those places um and to just set up and make it happen but it is not impossible and if you find the right person and the right landowner or best of all you know if you can get some money together and club together in a collective you really you really can make that make that happen and lots of people are doing it now there's definitely an argument for stepping back from the hustle and bustle, all of that tech. But we also are social creatures and sometimes we need kind of a village to depend on. For example, we just had uh, Joanna Donnelly on who's from MetAir in our Meteorological Society. What does he do uh, during, you know, like during a bad storm or what if something happens to him? Are there people (laughs) checking in on him? Yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, there are people checking in on him now. I mean, Ken's 75. He's not a young man anymore and he is... Oh, I mean, I hope he wouldn't mind me saying this, but he's, he, he is quite an old 75. You know, he's taken a battering mm-hmm. over the years as a result of the way that he lives. I mean, certainly in his younger years, there were these kind of stories in the book of these epic storms that he faced down, you know, deep Scottish winters. Um, but now um, he's he actually has a locator beacon with him. And if he ever gets in any serious trouble, he can, he can press that and there is an alert and there's a small group of people that live and work in the area around him who are really close friends with him um, and love him deeply and they do keep an eye on him and make sure he's got enough wood and make sure he's got enough food and all of those things really and they visit him fairly regularly. Because you're right, we are social beings and Ken, even the Hermit of Traig, is a social being too and he does love the company of others. He just likes to choose uh, when and where he actually meets society and make sure that it's on his terms. Yeah, I read that quote in his uh, in the book that said, if I ever was born again, you better believe I'm not going to live on anybody's terms but my own, which I think was, uh, which he said, leaning forward in his fireside chair, which was That's an amazing right. image. Um, yeah. Will, thank you so much. We have a text in here that says, Will's new Guinea documentary on BBC iPlayer is fantastic and I would definitely recommend it to anybody that hasn't seen it. So that's from one of our listeners and I haven't seen it, but I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, bless you. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks, Thank Stephanie. you so much, Will. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.